Good day, everyone, and thank you for listening. I have this new audio set up, and I won't get too technical because I'm not a tech guy, but I have been satisfied with the sound quality and the problems I've had in recent podcasts. A lot of fading in, fading out. The last time I did an episode with Chris and Eric, which was just a week ago, there was an echo at times, so um, all you need to know is I'm trying something considerably simpler. Uh, simpler in the sense that I've gone from this big box thingy majiggy that takes up a lot of space in my living room to this little, little tiny box. I'm talking about the tenth of a size. And I believe I'm going to get better sound quality out of it. I'm hoping when I play music, the fade in, fade out uh, doesn't happen. But it remains to be seen. It may That may be an internet issue. I honestly don't know. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm by myself today. And I took a nap, which uh, sometimes I wish I didn't do that after the fact you know some you know if you've all taken naps before i'm sure and just that feeling where you're just kind of groggy and like oh man it's you know so i'm still kind of coming out of that a little bit i took a nap before my zumba class the other night and uh, my zumba sensei came in and asked where the bathroom was and in this place you have to walk through a curtain uh, to go to this other part of this big old warehouse. And in the corner, there's the bathroom quite a few feet away. And I'm trying to tell her to go through the curtain, but I couldn't come up with the word curtain. Yeah, just so I'm like, yeah, just go through that uh, thingy there. And then in the left-hand corner, you will find a male and woman bathrooms. I mean, I couldn't even come up with the, you know, men and women bathrooms. Uh, that's how bad. So I feel like I do have my nouns with me after this Sunday afternoon nap. So we'll see how this goes. And Sunday afternoons are typically when I feel kind of lonely. Uh, you know, a lot of it is just, yeah, the work week starts tomorrow. I don't dread that in particular. I know once a week gets going, the second I'm at work, I'll be back into the flow of things. But it's just that feeling like, ah, damn it. It's just like I spent my whole week with people. I have these few hours by myself. And it feels a little bit lonely. But uh, part of the reason why I podcast during this time is because it uh, helps with that feeling. Again, podcasting is therapy for your host here. And today... I wanted to talk about relationships, friendships, intimacy for the middle-aged folk, us we Gen Xers. You know, I'd say anywhere between the ages of 45 and 60. I mean, some people say, hey, wicked, I'm uh, 65 years old. Can I be included in this? Absolutely. Hell, I don't care. If you're 80 years old and you're in the same situation, you can be thrown into this as well. Um... I've been thinking about relationships, love, all that stuff a lot. Uh, really, ever since I've been separated, certainly uh, since I've been divorced. And I remember probably 15 years ago saying, oh, geez, good thing I'm not in the dating game again. Because back in my 20s, it's like 
I didn't want to have that experience of just going out and meeting people and putting myself out there with the purpose of possibly being rejected. And I didn't want to make myself vulnerable. I mean, this is a popular Brene Brown thing these days is making yourself vulnerable. Well, I didn't want to do that in my 20s. I mean, I didn't, if I was told about the concept, even if I claimed I understood the concept, I really didn't understand that. But you do, you have to make yourself vulnerable if you're going to put yourself out there, so to speak. When you put yourself out there, you're really opening the door for your feelings to get hurt. And I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Ah, drinking some water here. There we go. I'm waking up, people. I'm waking up. But I remember saying that. Like, Jesus, thank God I don't have to go through that again. Thank goodness I'm married. I'm happy with my kids. I'm where I want to be in my life. I'm in love, have been in love for a while. And I never have to go through that experience again. So, flash forward a few years later, more than a decade later, and... Here I am separated at the age of 49, about to approach 50, and I'm like, wow, what do I do? So you get into the online dating game, you meet a few people, and it's like, uh, you know, some situations are better than others, and then maybe there's a couple situations where things go kind of okay, you do want to see the person again, you might get a text just saying, "Uh, you know what, I've been thinking about it, Matt, and... You're a good guy, and I'm not ready for anything serious right now, blah, 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 and, uh, you know, and I'm surprised at each of those situations how, uh, well, maybe I'm not surprised. I don't know. I guess, I guess I didn't know how that would work. It's really hard now to get my feelings hurt in those situations. If it doesn't mesh, it doesn't mesh, and I'm kind, and that's okay. That's completely okay, and when I say that, I, I mean it. It would have been different in my 20s. I would have thought about it like, well, why the hell not? I mean, can I do something? You know, it's just like, I thought we were getting along great. And no, no. I mean, there's no sense to even uh, begin to have those conversations because you can't force uh, feelings. You can't even begin to. So uh, I guess maturity has a lot to play with that. But also when I was in my 20s, I was still finding my way into a career you know, financial security, uh, potentially buying a house, maintaining a vehicle that wasn't some $500 jalopy that I duct taped together and, uh, you know, just nickeled and dimed to keep it alive so I could get to point A to point B. And, you know, not having kids, thinking that I wanted kids at times, wondering, well, is that really what I want? Is that truly, truly, truly what I want? Uh, but then in the end, if it's like, of course I want to have kids. You know, not too many. I, a couple kids will be fine, which is what I ended up having. And wanting just that feeling of falling in love, having your best friend, your best friend that you believe is going to be for the rest of your life. And like, damn it, I'm not going to get divorced. It's just like, I'm 28. I'm going to be, you know, I was 30 years old when I got married. And I knew what the statistics were. If you got married after the age, if you get married after the age of 28, your marriage has a 
much higher probability of succeeding. So I wanted all this. I wanted all this. And I was responsible, really, in the way I went about it and had no regrets whatsoever when it came time to get married. Now it's like, okay, I was married for 18 years, two kids that are nearly grown who are wonderful and that I have a bond with and a relationship with, and my ex is a good friend still. So that I have in my life, I'm never going to be alone. In your 20s, you just don't know. I mean, part of it is, I mean, chances are you're not going to be alone. I mean, uh, most of us, if if you are alone uh, at the end of your days, it's primarily a choice. I firmly believe that. But in my 20s, there's that fear that somehow you're just going to end up being alone. So now I, I know I'm not going to be alone. I have that. I have my kids. Uh, I have my ex who it will be a friend. I mean, I have my family. Sadly, I lost one of my sisters. I'm the youngest in the family, family of three, but I have my older sister, my oldest sister and, uh, and in her nephews and my nieces of my deceased sister, I'm never going to be alone. Drink some more water. And I apologize as I talk, I need to drink water. And so then as I start dating again, start meeting people, and maybe there's a romantic connection there, maybe there's not, but throughout it all, I'm meeting some very interesting people who I converse with, even if uh, there weren't romantic feelings there. And what I'm discovering is it's just nice to meet a lot of people. It's nice to have friends that are female that you can do things with. I mean, some I'm closer to than others. Uh, certainly there's a bond with, uh, I won't go beyond that, but yeah, you bond with some more than others, but everyone is friendly. Everyone maybe has a different interest and heck, if you're chatting with them and they aren't doing anything, you're not doing anything, and you meet for a drink, cup of coffee or whatever, just to get together for an hour or two, great, super, super. It's just, it's good to have that bond. Uh, some are just intellectually just very, uh, I learn from them. I learn from all uh, th these relationships. I learn from everyone I interact with. And then I, as I'm talking, and I kind of see people in my situation who are single after long marriages, I find that many uh, aren't committing. They will date. Maybe they have a friend they spend uh, most of their time with, but there's a lot of non-commitment out there, which I find really, really interesting. And it's like, and I, I shouldn't throw everyone into a hat, but it's, it's almost as if people in that situation, situation I'm in, the, like the companionship, but don't want to experience the vulnerability that they had to experience back when they fell in love with someone they were with for a long time. Not so much because they fear rejection, 
but it's they fear that just pain of being in love. There's a lot of pain that comes with love, and that's what I keep telling myself now. And I may grow beyond that. I don't know. But with love comes this feeling like, wow, this person is so important to me that I don't know what I would do with my life if that person all of a sudden wasn't in it evermore. My heart would be broken. I would be crushed. I'd be sad. And do I want to put myself through that situation again? Do I want to put myself through a heartbreak? Or do I want to just continue to have fun with this person? Maybe the intimacy isn't there, the physical intimacy, but the companionship and just that feeling of uh, being listened to and the enjoyment of listening to them as well um, is fine, is fine, is good enough. And then I also am aware of a few situations out there where people are polyamorous. Is, is, that how I'm, is that how you pronounce that word? Polyamorous. Poly- <laughs> I think I just pronounced it right. I'm going to look up the definition of this while I'm thinking of it. And I'll sing polyamorous. Polyamorous, polyamorous, there we go. The definition is a practice of or desire for intimate relationships with more than one partner with the informed consent of all the partners involved. Okay, so it's basically, basically you're talking about open relationships. So I always thought that polyamorous uh meant thruples, you know, people that were in uh, basically three people living together, all intimate, all in love, and that kind of stuff, which that's fine. But I guess polyamorous just means that the people are in an open relationship. So there's a couple, they're in an open relationship, they date everybody. Of course, the problem with that can be um, I think that I think those types of situations can work if you're single. You meet someone, maybe you see them for a little bit, you click to some degree, but you both aren't ready to commit to one another. So you see other people. That situation I can kind of understand. And then as things play out, uh, maybe you see other people. And maybe after a while, you realize, well, you know what? I do click with you. I do click more with you. But you're just, uh, y- y- I, can I say play the field? It's like you want to play the field a little bit. You want to see what's out there. Uh, and you just want to be, it, it's your way of ensuring that you're getting the sure thing. Ensuring that you're getting the sure thing. That sounds awkward, doesn't it? So I can see that working out, but if you're, but if you're a couple that have been together for multiple years, fell in love, very very committed, then one person says, "Oh, I think we should start seeing other people." You continue to live with one another, and you're seeing other people and sleeping in the same bed. I think that's potentially a recipe for disaster because what you're saying at that point in the relationship 
is you're saying, you know what, I'm not really interested in you in much of an intimate way anymore. That feeling of just strong desire for you has gone away. So I want to try something else. But yet, I like the comforts of home. I like the fact that you're my roommate. Uh, maybe that person's a good parent uh, as well. So you see the good qualities. It's just the romantic connection has completely gone. So you're like, let's be in an open relationship. I can see that just being really, really bad, like a bad idea. At that point, you got to figure out, let's separate for a while and uh, just separate for a while. That's what you should do. And if you're in that situation, uh, don't don't try to make it work by having another relationship. Become separated and see how the separation works out. I mean, that's my opinion. But hell, if you're in my situation um, and I see it, I see it because I know, as I mentioned before, I think as long as you're open with the other person and honest about it, you know, sure. Try it out. Meet other people. You know, if you end up becoming intimate with one person, you still have a connection with another person, but you haven't been intimate with them yet. Just be honest with them. The key is just honesty to be honest. Otherwise, if you're not, it just kind of eats and eats away at you. And, um, it's just not healthy. It comes out at the wrong time. And, then it's going to come out as you not being honest with that person. So, um, so anyway, I don't know. I, I almost think the Gen X generation, um, we're going to be the ones that play around with these types of friendships, relationships, and we may be (coughs) the generation that isn't quick to, fall in love again after uh, divorce and it'll be I would like to see us or myself now I don't I'm not wishing time away but it'll be interesting to see how my views change over time what I was almost going to say is like it'll be interesting to see where I am 10 years from now you know you know it's no no I don't want to I don't want to like flash forward uh, too much here Uh, I just want to think about the near future and how uh, my views on this play out a lot. Uh, Ultimately, if you are, the whole concept of love isn't going to change in making yourself vulnerable because the second you fall in love with someone, you are opening the door for heartbreak. And some people are open to that. Some people don't recognize their emotions and maybe it's not healthy for them. I think if you become, I believe if you become so obsessed with a person that it's hard for you to function in your daily life, hard for you to sleep, eat, because you become uh, obsessive or almost obsessive, I'm not sure that's a healthy situation to be in. Ultimately, learning to love who the hell you are is, and I'm not saying anything new here, but ultimately it's just loving who, who the hell you are and the fact that you know you're not going to be alone because you have many loved ones around you that you're going to be okay with time by yourself. And those are, to me, it's just, and everybody's different, but to me, it's just learning to like who you are, what you do, 
Learning to like your relationships and friendships with everyone is key. Learning to be happy knowing that you're not going to find happiness just by being with another person. That's not happiness. You got to find true happiness within yourself before you can share it with anyone. You guys know this. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. I mean, what do I know? I'm just a 51-year-old Gen Xer in Midcoast, Maine, prophesizing my thoughts on relationships, friendships, and potentially love. Then it comes to question two. You've had your kids. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I was going to talk about, I'm not going to go there. I was going to talk about, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I'll hold that thought for another episode. But when it comes to physical intimacy, uh, that's another thing too. I believe it's still important at our age but at the age, I'd say probably um, a lifetime ago, it was uh, certainly more important. But it's like as nice as physical intimacy is, it's not the crucial part in a friendship relationship. I believe now that it's kind of, if it's going to become the whole package, Certainly, if you're in love with someone, you have to be compatible in that way. Now, if you get to a point of physical intimacy, I believe, again, you have to be honest with that person and where you are. I mean, if you want to just be friends with benefits, have that discussion beforehand, not after. Not after. Because it can be, with me at least, it can be, I can just have this guilt consume me afterwards if those things aren't discussed. In fact, it can be emotionally just, it can make me depressed for like days because I don't want to give somebody the wrong idea uh, just because we slept together. So I believe it's very important to have those discussions beforehand I mean, if you're in love, if you're truly in love and you've been together with this person for a while uh, and it's been building up, you know, that's a different situation. But even then, I believe it's important to discuss it. But if it happens rather quickly and um, you know that a relationship's not going to work out for, our long-term relationship's not going to work out for various reasons, I believe it's just very important to Think about it a little bit, talk about it some, and then if uh, everything's copacetic, go for it. I don't think like this animalistic desire overwhelms us at our age, often. Certainly not as much as it did when we were younger. When I say we, I'm talking to you Gen Xers out there uh, who uh, are intimate with other individuals from time to time yes which i hope that happens for all of you gen xers because i think it is healthy in fact i know it's healthy as well yeah shows i'm watching now i just watched on netflix over the last week i watched the tinder swindler and this oh my goodness it's like this uh tinder guy i the premise is is basically this 
Tinder guy posing as a rich guy has flies on project. I mean, he can do, he does everything a wealthy guy does. Drives around in Lamborghinis, travels on a private jet, eats caviar, blah 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 blah. Come to find out, he's doing it on the dime of all these women. He is basically defrauding. So it's like I'm watching this and I'm like, holy cow. Um. These beautiful women are really drawn to money and travel and all the decadence in life. And I feel bad for them all. Um, you know, and the guy is really, really good at getting all of this money from women. But I'll give a little bit of a spoiler alert, but it's still worth watching, even though I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler alert here. He does get caught eventually. They get him for uh, using a fake passport and put him in jail for five months. Okay. And this is after Vanity Fair and uh, some Scandinavian magazine do this huge article on him that a bazillion people read about what a scumbag he is. Okay. So anyway, he gets caught and serves five months in jail. Now he's out of jail doing similar shit, and he's got a gorgeous, gorgeous Israeli model, which makes me think, what the hell are you thinking, people? The guy is a fraud. The guy's a complete, total fraud. He's never worked a day in his life other than maybe like at a fast food place in Israel. <laughs> I mean, he's just a master at posing as a rich guy and defrauding people. You know this. So you, gorgeous Israeli model, why are you going out with him? And he's probably defrauding her in the process. I just don't understand it. I just, I just don't. I just don't understand it. Um, then there was another one similar to that. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, Bad Vegan. This one just came out last week. So this is a woman, very beautiful woman, a little bit younger than I am. Uh, becomes known as this great vegan chef in New York City, and she's all over like the Today Show and Regis and Kathy Lee, or whatever it's called now, Kelly and uh, Mark, uh, that guy, uh, Michael Strahan, I guess. Anyway, you get the idea, okay? O owns this, uh, probably the best vegan restaurant in New York City, where all the celebrities come and eat this wonderful vegan food. So she meets this absolute freaking meathead of a guy. And when I say meathead, I mean meathead. Um, you know, Boston accent, you know, unhealthy looking, not very smart sounding guy who has a gambling problem. And he defrauds her out of everything she owns to the point that she can't run the restaurant. She can't pay the people that work at the restaurant that have been forever, forever devoted to her. And I'm just thinking to myself, why for this? I mean, she was brain. I I'm convinced she was brainwashed for this guy. I don't, um, she is interviewed heavily in this documentary. I believe I, I have this sense that there's more to the story that we're being told the documentary is presented as if she was uh, brainwashed 
and she was a victim. And to a degree, I actually believe that. I do that. I do sense that that actually happened. But at the same time, at the end, I'm like, come on, this guy is such a meathead. I mean, really? I mean, it, mind manipulation is one of those things that just intrigues me. And I've read a lot of books during the pandemic on women that have escaped cults. Uh, and I listen to a podcast series on cults and their followers. And I'm always left with like, how are these intelligent people being roped in by these people? I just don't, I don't see how that could ever happen in my life. And this is a guy who was just defrauded out of $2,500 a few weeks ago. So I guess it can happen. But I did get the money back in two days. So I caught it right away. Um, and none of the, I mean, speaking of the women in uh, Tinder Swindler or in this bad vegan video, they just kept on giving money and money and money. And even during all this time of the skepticism that they had, they never just stopped doing it. And it's just like, wow, wow. Uh, these intelligent people just being roped in. It's just, so those are, it's one of those mysteries of life that uh, it's hard for me to understand. And it's like love. When somebody falls in love with a person, uh, it's easy for us to judge from the outside if that person isn't right for another, uh, one of our, uh, one of the people, uh, say a person that we care about a lot. And if they don't see it themselves, I mean, there's not much we can do to convince them otherwise. In fact, we can cause a lot of problems. In the end, they have to figure it out for themselves. And who are we to judge when it comes down to it? We judge because we care, but in the end, we can be with them every step of the way as they figure things out. And hopefully they come to a conclusion that that relationship doesn't work for them and that they don't get hurt in the process. And certainly if they're in a situation where they are, may get hurt, if it is a safety situation, of course we would intervene. Absolutely. So those are some general thoughts that I'm having at the moment, just about relationships at middle age and especially, well, yeah, I would say single guy relationships or single person relationships at my age and love, vulnerability, and a couple Netflix uh, series that uh, touch on those things a little bit. And I, as always, I appreciate you listening. I'm hoping that the recording, I'm looking at all the blue waves and I'm hoping there's not a lot of buzzing going on. And We'll be doing some new theme shows in the future. I know that Sandy and I are going to do a movie show. I'm hoping to do a show with R.J. Keller at some point. And Stout and Eric and myself uh, will always be doing shows as well. Hope you all have a good week. I love you. Until next time, take care. Thank you.